Yes, good low. Hello, and welcome to Demystifying Detection Dogs with MD Dogs. I'm the founder of MD Dogs, Libby Rockaway, and I'm here with my co-host, Maggie Kudla, owner of Sit Stay Lex. Hi, I'm excited to get started and discuss all things diabetic alert dogs. Grab a drink, because we can talk about dogs for hours, literally. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, today we are going to be going over what the first week of having your surface dog looks like. This could be eight-week-old puppy walking in. This could be a little bit older, um, but just kind of what that week should look like. Um, Libby, would you like to start? Sure. Um, I think adding on to that, actually, this is like you just brought home a dog with the intent of training it. Because I was actually, as we were thinking about this podcast, I was thinking about how, you know, is there anything you do differently when you are like choosing a dog that you already have and just deciding we're going to start training now. And I think there is, I think that should be another podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for like bringing a dog home, um, there's, I mean, it's super exciting, right? Because you want to get going immediately. Um, and I was definitely very gung ho when I started as mm. like, you know, a 15 year old doing this, I was like, we're going to learn all the things in like week one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even now, like I just got a new one and I'm excited to like learn about him and try things out and see how he does in different environments. But it's really honestly not best to start him out like that. Like you want to start out, there's this three, three, three rule that we have. And so the first one is basically three days to just let the dog decompress and figure stuff out. Right. I mean, that's, they just got like, got puppy napped. Yeah. I feel like every time like you get a puppy, they're like, you're not my mommy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there's a lady that raised me or like something. Mm-hmm. And then they're like really worried about like whenever you got the new dog and his face looks so sad. <laughs> he was so sad. He was so concerned. Yeah. Like was happy go lucky. And then with his, his old owner and then he got him and he was like, I don't think this is correct. <laughs> this is not fun. <laughs> Uh, yeah i mean and you think about it from their perspective like yeah they just got kidnapped mm-hmm. they don't know what is expected of them they don't know where anything is they don't know how to communicate with you they don't know anything like to a dog they don't even know like am i gonna get a next meal like, right you know there's there's tons of things that they don't know yeah. um yes yeah, so you just need three days to like let them be a dog and learn about them without any stress of teaching them all these cool things and starting scent work and socialization like just yeah. chill i mean because even my apprenticeship was with a, a golden retriever breeder and my job was to take the eight week old puppy <laughs> and put you know three weeks of training on it yeah and i mean i think it was good for like owners going in necessarily like to an extent like mm-hmm. it gave the puppy some knowledge but to an extent i'm like i think it was you know I even, with those puppies, like, I had to balance between, like, bonding with them, mm, but yeah. also training them and stuff. Uh-huh. So it was kind of, like, a weird thing. And I don't think I love that as, yeah. like, a concept because I feel like you got – the puppy would get taken from a kennel, and then I would have it, mm-hmm. and then I would train it for a few weeks, and then it'd bond with me and love me, and then I got taken away again. Yeah, so this is, like, this third family. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. That hurts. It hurts. <laughs> I mean, eight-week-old puppies are pretty adaptable, yeah. but yeah. I wish I would have had more – uh the luxury of not like, oh, I have to mm-hmm. teach this puppy 
you know, 15 things yeah. by the time it goes home, you know, exactly. like, and I have, you know, three weeks to do it. Yeah. But um, the luxury of getting to like, just hang out with your puppy, sit on the ground with it. Mm-hmm. A lot of psychology shows like just sitting on the ground with your puppy and hanging yeah. out with it is like really, really good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a bonding, like experience. Totally. Um, so I think that that's the biggest thing, like, just get to know your little puppy. Yeah. Or your older dog. Like it can mm-hmm. be you get a year old dog and yeah. Do you want to train thing. that? Just hang out with it. There's yeah. no it's going through a rough time. Mm-hmm. And and find things that it likes doing and be a part of those. Mm-hmm. So if your dog, you know, if you get a year old dog and they are super rambunctious because they could just came out of the shelter <clears throat> and are, you know, just jumping up and down with energy, great. Find something that it likes to do. Does it like to, you know, play tug? And yeah. play tug with it. Just make it so that you're bonding with them. Um, and don't worry about, we have to teach you to stop jumping right now. Like, yeah. start that on day four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, whenever you got Chip and I watched him for, like, Libby got a dog and then went out of town. Oops. And I was I got to have the luxury of hanging out with her pups because I love all of her pups. And Chip, it was, he was like a little jumping jelly bean. Yeah. And I was like, just like hung out with him for a few days and everything. Yeah. And then day four, I'm like, you have to stop jumping, sir. Yeah, um, and then and then I did spend like a day just like, you know, yeah. doing some easy capturing of him sitting and offering nice behaviors and stuff. But I was like, but I didn't want to like, his first three days were hard. And yeah. I'm like, I can't like, I don't want to be like, harsh on him for any reason because mm-hmm. he's just he's new and yeah. like everything's uh different for him and so just making sure it's like okay like this is fine like yeah. you'll, you can learn manners you know um mm-hmm. i don't want you know we mentioned before that we started the podcast of not letting them practice like yeah bad behaviors necessarily like trying to prevent it as much as possible like with chip i would if he because he had a jumping problem he's you know eight or nine month old spaniel mm-hmm. i think when you got him um and so I would try to reverbally reward him or give him cookies, like if he did happen to sit, but it wasn't like my priority. But I just wanted to prevent bad behaviors was mm-hmm. more of the thing. Like we're just kind of keeping him like no trouble happening, no chewing yeah. up carpets or anything like that. But just mainly because you're just hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, like extreme management. Yeah. Of okay, you're just gonna be tethered all the time. Um, or you're gonna be an X pen for him, mm-hmm. um, or a kennel. Yeah. And you know, it's not that you're not paying attention to them, it's just that you're trying to learn about them and you want to let them make good choices without you having to like deal with the consequences mm-hmm. of the fact that they don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course they're not going to make good choices all the time. Um, and so when your puppy comes home, puppy or adult or whatever, like don't, I guess don't get so concerned about if they're not perfect because I have never once had a dog come home and be perfect. Yeah. They're gonna, yeah. They're going to be puppies and just, they're going to make mistakes and, I mean, they're not going to know all sorts of things. They're not going to know where the door is to go outside, mm-hmm. right? So you want to practice all these behaviors mm-hmm. multiple times, you know, before you start to give them any freedom. Yeah. Um, I think also, so I think we tend to also kind of get theoretical in a lot of this. So like practically, like day, let's go with day two. Say day one, you know, you got your puppy home. Everybody's excited in the family, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, big fun. Day two. Um, Maggie, like, walk me through, like, what does your daily schedule look like with a new dog? 
So like from getting up in the morning. Well, when they wake me up at 5 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> to go potty. Realistic. Yes. Realistic. <laughs> get up to go at 5 a.m. I typically take them out to go potty, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I typically go and uh, have a leash on them. And then I go lay on my living room floor, floor and cuddle with them and kind of half <laughs> sleep. Yep. But they're tethered to me, so they can't do bad things. And I have chews for them mm-hmm. to kind of chew on. And I yeah. just hang out with them on the ground while I slowly wake up. <laughs> it's basically like a, yeah exactly puppies are like survival um and then we're usually there for you know 40 minutes maybe and then they go out to go potty again yeah. <laughs> and then i'll typically then you know maybe feed them a little bit once i like i've had my coffee um and you mentioned that you like to feed with like puzzles of some sort or mm-hmm. maybe something uh that's like relatively easy an easy puzzle yeah. for them I do a lot of Kongs at that stage. Yeah. Um, And I think I didn't used to do this, um, but sometimes even with hand feeding, well, I do like hand feeding a lot at this stage, but um, as I've gotten some of these older dogs or rescue dogs, I've noticed that sometimes they take the food too kind of, not like actually aggressively, but they start nipping at your fingers by accident because they're so excited to get the Mm -hmm. food. And that has just kind of caused conflict. And I'm not in it to teach them a lesson at that point in time. Like. I just want them to have some enrichment, to eat their breakfast, um, and also to start teaching that persistence Mm -hmm. um, because I've now gone through a couple slightly older dogs over the past couple months, um, and most of them don't have any persistence whatsoever. Yeah, they give Um, up so easily. Yeah, the field spaniel that we had for a couple days there, she did not know how to be persistent at all. Like, just like, oh, I can't figure it out after 10 seconds and then walk away probably. And then she just walked away. Um, So I just make all of their meals through these Kongs, um, typically frozen, um, frozen with like this peanut butter mixture in it um, to make it even harder. And then you just let them go to town on it. And like, if they get it out, great. If not, that's okay. They're going to have another opportunity later on. Yeah. But that way it's like being productive without any conflict from you potentially happening. And because the persistence is... uh, just to clarify, it's like persistence for – as a diabetic alert dog, you really want persistence yeah. uh, for alerting. So dogs that don't have wonderful persistence, I want to mm-hmm. see a dog that can get through puzzles mm-hmm. with like – even if they're kind of difficult. Yeah. is like really good. Like you want to start mm-hmm. a ba- baby baby. Like you'll – they have different levels of like puzzles, mm-hmm. like level yeah. one, two, three, whatever. Um and baby should do level, you know, one or, or even yeah. less than level one, honestly, which is the Kong. Um, but yeah, for diabetic dogs, you want your dog to be able to be persistent and resilient and uh, working. Yeah. This is a this is a mild form of working, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Is the best way to put it. Super easy form of working. And yeah. they get they just get to eat. Um, yeah. It's really good. Um, even past the first week, I find mm-hmm. with all my dogs, um, I, w- I typically feed them out of enrichment stuff 80% of the time for the first year of their life. Yeah. Um, I think that's the really, really, really good for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that was a uh, breakfast. We got through breakfast. Breakfast. Second day two. With yes. This dog. So they have a little breakfast and then typically they have to go to the bathroom again within like <laughs> yep. 45 minutes after eating. Um, cause my goal is with, with potty training. I, um, I've potty trained. I don't even know how many puppies at so this point. Puppies. So many puppies. Yeah. Um, my thing is I, I, I'm very good at it now and my goal is to, uh, my last puppy that I had had one accident mm-hmm. the entire potty yeah. training experience. And uh, my goal is just to not let it happen. Yeah. And she literally has never had an accident. Her and um, she's my personal dog, but um, has not had an accident at all in the house ever. Yeah. Not even like an accident, accident. Like, yeah. <laughs> and she's three and a half. Um, but 
um, I just, I take them out to go potty a lot. It's a good practice behavior. It's something to do with them. Then they get to go hang out in the yard. Mm -hmm. And typically I have them go out potty. I I praise them when they potty. So it's Mm -hmm. another part of potty training will be kind of something that I'll passively train Mm -hmm. with my young dogs. Um, I take treats outside when they go potty in the yard. I'm like, you're amazing. Good job. (laughs) Um, And just to add, this is, um, this, do this regardless of whatever the person who provided the dog to you says yeah if somebody says the dog is house trained please don't believe them Uh, (laughs) every anytime you take a dog into a new environment yeah it will not be potty trained exactly just treat it as if it has never been house trained a day in its life yeah and then you might be pleasantly surprised if it actually has been Mm -hmm. um but the vast majority of the time like dogs revert back to kind of not being house trained at all yeah and that's okay just don't freak out about it Mm -hmm. if you just do exactly that of like making sure they never have the opportunity to go, mm-hmm. then great. You know, then yeah. they'll, they'll fly through it regardless of whether they were ever house trained or not. Yeah. Even before I became a trainer, I'd say I was probably like a sophomore in college. Um, I did a Rover mm-hmm. and I would have dogs stay at my house and there were people like, oh, 100% house trained. <laughs> I literally, I learned immediately uh, yeah. that adult dogs would go out every two to three hours, mm-hmm. if not earlier. <laughs> Yes, I'm sure your dog is house trained at home, but yeah, not they just in my home. <laughs> not in my home. Um, and so, uh, just because new environment, like if, especially if dogs don't go to different places all the time, yeah. it's not. It's just yeah. So pretend your dog eight weeks old. Obviously, maybe go out more. Yep. Um, <laughs> but I would say even with a dog that's older, eight months, a year, it doesn't matter. Yeah, just taking it out and yeah. rewarding the good behavior. So this is a beautiful time. Um, and Libby, I know you are passionate about this. Training your – if you happen to get an eight-week-old puppy, it's much easier to get them to potty on cue mm. when they're younger versus when they're older. So much easier. Um, so if you can start um, putting – so putting something on cue, uh, I typical process I go through is I uh, – while they are potting, I'll say, like, good. Um, Libby says, powder your nose. <laughs> Uh, I'll say, I say powder your nose because now I train a lot of empty dogs, dogs, but I used a hurry, hurry with pickles. Um, and then my personal dog, I say go potty, but she's not a service dog. So if you don't, you know, service dogs, you're out in public a lot. You may want to use something that's not go potty, which I get. It's my um, pet peeve. I don't want to say go potty. Yeah. Out in public. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. Um, and so putting it on cue when you're, when they're younger is better. So mm-hmm. that's something I think I would say that's probably like one of the first things I actually teach. That's probably true. It's actually like, yeah, now that I think about it, that's probably the first thing I'm mm-hmm. teaching um, to a young puppy that's yeah. walking in. But it takes, takes a long time for them to and learn. And that's just you a just start it. And think about that as a more passive training Yeah. versus like, I walk outside, I keep treats by my door mm-hmm. and then I walk out and yeah. give them a cookie whenever they do it. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I'd say that's actually probably the the first thing. Yeah. I mean, I think passive training is a whole thing we could go into. Let's go into passive training after we finish this daily. Yeah. Okay. So we have puppies had breakfast, puppies gone out to go to the bathroom, or dog. Yeah. Whatever dog you have brought home. And then I usually just hang outside if the weather's nice. Uh I spend a lot of time outside um, just kind of hanging out, like Mm -hmm. letting them chew on sticks and just like doing, you know, I don't know, just hanging out, Mm -hmm. especially if it's backyard that's nice, like sitting in the grass with them yeah. or sitting in the chair by them, just kind of letting them investigate if you have a backyard, mm-hmm. um, putting them on a longer leash if you don't have a you know backyard, but just kind of letting them explore for like, you know, 30 something minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just kind of let them get out um, and about is kind of my thing. Yep. And then I'll go back inside and 
crate time. Yeah. I do a lot of crate time. Yeah, I would say crate um, or tethering. Yeah. Um, it's kind of my balance I mean, between. They should be tired. Yeah, it, exactly. They've had a big morning of playing with you, of bonding, of eating their breakfast from some sort of enrichment thing. Then they've gone outside. They've gone to the bathroom a whole bunch in between all of those things. And so now they're very much ready for a nap before lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the great training is another one of those things that we just implement from the start. Yeah. I implement it because I can't survive if I don't have it. Um, Puppies are draining. I want a break from my puppy yeah. for two hours at a time. And honestly, it's uh, – people think crating is bad, but it's actually puppies, like, once they, like – Oh, I get nap time. And puppies yeah. need nap time. They so like they're it. growing. Puppies, I think one study said that puppies need 18 hours of sleep. Yeah. Um, and and I kind of believe that. Like once mm-hmm. I started becoming really um, less averse to creating my puppies as much, it was really actually beneficial for them. They were less cranky. They were less bitey yeah. on my hands. Like I find whenever puppies start to get like super bitey while playing, it's actually they're just overtired. They like just didn't go to bed. If, you've ever been, if you've ever been around a toddler, it's kind of the same thing. Like whenever they yeah. kind of toddlers get a little, I mean, bratty is not the right word, but <laughs> I mean yeah. it's not technically fussy. bratty, fussy. Um, and then it's nap time. Yeah, like you were there overtired. Um, mm-hmm. so crating's lovely, and then they come out for lunch. Yeah, and right. Typically at lunch. I basically just like, at least me personally, I flip the day. So then mm-hmm. we have lunch and then they go back and they have another nap. Yeah. And then they go out and then they yeah. eat some and they have some more play and then they go to bed. Yeah. Right. Like kind of what you did in the morning and just kind of flip. Yeah. And do in the evening with probably a little bit more. Yeah. Play, yeah. 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 Playing bonding. Yeah. And then um, this isn't like an exact science. Each puppy and dog yeah. is different. But this yeah. is, I think, yeah, this is like generally, um, and it's hard because obviously people have lives, but I try to, if I get a puppy, I try to make it where I'm going to be home at least for the next three days as mm-hmm. much as possible. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, for especially people who work outside Especially home. for little puppies, like an older dog, like theoretically, if you had to go to work, like maybe an eight month old could hold its bladder and everything longer, but an eight week old puppy, like I really want to be there yeah. and that kind of prime bonding time. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they can't hold it. Then you'd have to hire someone to come in and potty yeah. them multiple times a day. Cause even coming home for lunch really isn't enough. I don't think for an eight week old puppy. No. Um, I would like, to, I would, I would have a sitter come in at probably at least three, mm-hmm. but, you know, someone to let the puppy out and play with them and do all the stuff. At but, least for the first week. Yeah. I think after the first week you could go down to two and then down to one. Yeah. But, yeah. Like the first week, I mean, they're babies. Yeah. Um, as a luxurious dog trainers that we kind of, if it's our job, we're already kind of home and <laughs> can cart the puppy around or whatever. Um, but yeah, so that's, yeah, basically it's just cuddling, bonding, yeah. crating. Crating crating's important because important. T- time away from you is important. Very you, much so. I, I, Ooh, yeah. yeah crating really away from point. you is so, so important. I know service dogs are, yes, they're going to be with you all the time, but separation anxiety is mm-hmm. no joke. Um, yeah. I, I've, even with my non-service dogs, like whenever we're all stuck home during the pandemic, my COVID puppy, t- August, 2020, I got her and she had two hours of crating in my bedroom with the door closed, even though me and my husband were home. <laughs> like, please be away from us. I don't yeah. want her to hear me. I want yeah. her to learn to be okay with being alone. Mm-hmm. It's very important. That's a, one of those things that I see on the Facebook groups a lot is um, people saying, oh, well, the dog needs to bond with my son, so they haven't been separated for like five weeks. I'm like, please don't do that. Yeah, that's, because not, that's not healthy. <laughs> that's not healthy. It's not a healthy Your puppy needs to be a puppy and be away from – um, from people and learn how to cope and exist on its own. Yeah. Um, like there's 
no concern that a, a dog won't bond if it's not with somebody for 24-7. Yeah. Like, I promise. My dogs are all very bonded. Yes. Yes. They are perfectly fine being in their crate for hours at a time. Yes. Um, so you do not need to tether the dog to you 24-7 or nope. to the diabetic at all. No. Um, that's not how that works. Yeah. So that's really good. Um, and then, so, okay, so that was the kind of the, the day schedule. And then before we moved on to other, I wanted to talk about the passive training. Oh, yeah. What kind of stuff do you do in those first three days that are not active training sessions but passive training sessions? Because in that whole schedule that we talked about, we did not once talk about an actual training session because we don't really do active training sessions the first couple yeah. days. Like, th- that's not the time to worry about it. Yeah. Um, I w- passive training is, I define it as not letting your training is everyone thinks it's a very active experience like you're training mm-hmm. a sit you're training it down like uh, you grab your treats you and you do it and you do, do your it. training session. but my training is that i am preventing bad behavior by watching my puppy mm-hmm. um i practice things like uh i passively condition names i realize like mm-hmm. a lot of times trainers like play a name game which i do as well with all my clients because they haven't conditioned the name but Whenever I have, let's say I'll use Melly as my dog, I'll say Melly. And if she looks at me, then I just like cuddle with her and praise mm-hmm. her. Like yeah. just like little things like that. Like she looked my way. You're such a good puppy. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And like little things like that. So if like if she's trying to like go and do something not what I consider naughty for a dog, it's normal behavior. Mm-hmm. Like if she wants to go grab my shoe and go take it away. Um, I'm not going to punish her for it. Like there's no reason to. She's a little puppy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to um, passive training would be me maybe giving her a bone to to an exchange mm-hmm. for the toy like that's not necessarily like me having a whole training experience it's just like hey here's something else to mm-hmm. chew on yeah. um i may call her over to me and then praise her for just like responding to me mildly yeah. by then having a little chase game or having fun with her like it's just preventing little things mm-hmm. like i think a lot of it is yeah management so yeah. like the trading for the bone of Hey, okay, we're gonna manage the environment. We're gonna shorten your tether. Yeah. We're gonna give you three bones to choose from within your little radius. Yes. Um, and that way you can make good but choices. Good choices. Um, I think the passive training, I'm trying to think of Try passive to- training that I'm doing with um Mr. Double right now. Things like rushing outside of doors. Oh yeah, yeah. Even so I don't want a dog that's rushing outside of the doors, but I'm not going to the door and having a whole training session with him. I'm just not going to let every him outside. Time. Yeah, every time like, you go to the door, you just wait for him to be I respectful. Just, exactly. I wait for him to sit down or, you know, to at least back up a little bit. Um, so things like that. Um, jumping, passive training. of Don't reward it. I'm just not going to reward it. Yeah. Like, I'm not having a jumping training session saying, okay, we're going to learn to not jump today. Yeah. Like, it's just I'm interacting with him, and I don't want to reinforce the behaviors that I'm going to have to fix later. Yep. So why don't I just start kind of yeah. naturally fixing them now? Yeah. Um, yeah, being so, being mindful of not reinforcing behaviors that you actually don't want. Yeah. Is, I think, is a big thing. I guess that's mostly what I'm thinking of when I'm thinking about passive, passive training. training is, like, what you're reinforcing in day-to-day life. Barking is another one. Yes. Of, like, I'm not going to crack down on barking from the get-go. Um, and like really get concerned about it, but I'm not going to go open the crate door if they're barking. Right? Yes. I'm going to say, okay, we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Or like I heard double bark in the backyard um, when he was out with the other spaniels. And so I was like, mm, that's not good. I don't love that. So I just brought them all inside because I'm like, I don't know what he's barking at, but I don't want him to do it again. Yeah. And so if it's something 
that he's especially because he wasn't especially because he wasn't barking to come back inside exactly yeah he was just barking at like something and that's also the thing to recognize like do you want your dog barking at you to come back inside yeah then don't let them in then don't let them in because that's reinforcing it (laughs) yeah um but yeah i think it's just about like yeah thinking of how you can train your dog like every, like I don't I don't actually I need to think about this more because I like I actually don't know like I create lovely dogs but I'm just I don't know I just kind of do everything think, passively. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just you think about do I want this behavior to exist for the next fifteen years? And if not, then I do one thing. And if yes, then I do another thing. Yeah, that's, right. That's if I want it to continue then I make sure to give them what they want yeah. or give them something else valuable, yeah. like, you know, saying their name and then you give them cuddles. Yeah. They didn't necessarily, you know, that's not actually what she was looking for at the time, but if you always give her cuddles, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, that's what my name means. Cool. Yeah. Um, um, do you want them on the couch? Yeah, that's a good one. Do you want them in the bed? Because mm-hmm. if you do that at eight weeks old, they're going to want to do that for the rest of it. And you're not yeah. saying you can't fix it down the road, but it makes it where it doesn't have to be a whole training mm-hmm. experience. Like there's so much you can teach yeah. them uh, – in a blink of an eye at eight, nine weeks old versus mm-hmm. where it takes a, you know, a lot longer when they're older. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that passive training, like thinking about if you get a golden retriever, do you want an 80 pound golden retriever on your couch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's, you know, eight, 10 pounds now, but it's, it's going to, it's not going to be. <laughs> yeah. And it's a um, lot of fur. <laughs> but yeah. So I think like passive, just, yeah. Noting. Um, yeah. Yeah. You said it best. So yeah, I think we do start that from like our first interaction with them. And that way, every interaction you have with your dog is beneficial. Mm-hmm. And you're not kind of, you know, encouraging something that you're going to have to be fixing later. Yeah. I think that's mostly how we yeah. view it as trainers. As, yeah. you know, oh, I'm going to have to fix that behavior later. So I'm just going to make sure I don't reinforce it right now. And then I won't have to fix it. Yeah. And really tethering is, I think, a, an yeah. excellent way to prevent a lot of those behaviors. Like mm-hmm. puppy wanting to get in the trash, carry around clothes, yeah. eat socks. 90% of dog behaviors can be fixed by a six-foot leash yeah. tied and, to a table. And we are talking about the first week, but it's going to be for More a while. <laughs> More than a first week. That's true. Right. It's going to be way more for a first week. Um, okay. What's next on our list? Since... Um, I guess we technically didn't talk about crate at night. Mm-hmm. My typical yeah. go-to is I have my dog on the crate right next to me, and I shove my fingers in the crate whenever they whine. Um, mm-hmm. If they don't calm down relatively soon, I will – quiet or i will quietly take them out of the crate not give them any type of like a crazy affection i just take them out i pop them down in the yard they go potty they go back in the crate mm-hmm. um, but i put my fingers on the crate just let them know like hey buddy like you're I, there's someone here like i'm here like let them sniff my fingers and i typically just fall asleep with my fingers in the crate yeah. um only if they whine though is typically whenever i try to give them comfort <laughs> okay so this is more of um this is a, a devil's advocate mm-hmm. question because i do i did the exact same thing Mm-hmm. right but we just told them don't reinforce something if you don't want it to continue on down the line and so when you think about explaining this to clients like i mean how would you think about like the difference between that right because based on what we just said you would then create a puppy who whines all the time to get your attention which is not at all <laughs> what happens so i guess to whoever is actually listening to this <laughs> no one <laughs> how uh, would we like how do you differentiate our trainer intuition that we know we're not going to create a puppy that whines all the time. Yeah. I mean, there are trainers that think that you will create a puppy that whines all the time by doing this. Yeah. But we know I mean, because we yeah. both do that. We, we both, I have done that with many, many puppies. Yeah. I, I could probably have done that with 
30 plus puppies that have gone to Easily. clients and like their dogs are great in the crate. Yeah. Um, my own personal dogs yeah. are great in the crate. It takes like two to three days of this the, and they're perfectly fine. The, the reason for it is that um, they have just been kidnapped. Yep. They are and they're That's very awesome. sad and they're very alone. And this is not necessarily a, uh, a necessarily, I wouldn't call it a bad behavior. It's just they're, they're yeah. like, I'm lonely. That's a good distinction. It's not a bad behavior. It's not a bad behavior. It's just, it's like they're, yeah. they're, and it's also in, in the beginning, this is this is the first, like, week. Yeah. Like, this is not us doing this, like, you know, a month or two in. Like, this is me. I typically, but also every puppy I've done, I do this for, like, four days, and then they stop whining all together in their crate. Easily, yeah. Yeah, like, the thing is, like, it's not, it's never been a problem for me because I've never had, it's never gone past maybe five days. I don't even, I can't remember. I mean, I should start cataloging it. But like, it literally is like, it becomes such a non-issue because they're not sad. Like I have, there have been many times where I've put puppies in a different room and they scream yes. for hours and I don't get sleep. And then this happens for like a week where literally I can, fi- I can just like passively fix this mm-hmm. by shoving my fingers in the crate, letting them get that little bit of comfort and they fall asleep within 30 mm-hmm. seconds. Like, yeah. I think that's the difference because it's like I've been kidnapped and I'm sad mm-hmm. um, and I don't know where I am. Once your dog yeah. knows where they are and so then you can start playing around with it. But for the first week, I'd rather them learn that you have someone here for you. Mm-hmm. I am not a monster. I did not kidnap you. I am <laughs> oh. now your mother. Yeah. <laughs> and here I am comforting you. Because yeah. um, I've tried the whole tactic of like mm-hmm. put a blanket in the crate. They're put in the laundry room or whatever yeah. um, and let I'm them bark it out. And that it all. does not work. And I just don't get any sleep. And then I'm cranky. And feel incredibly guilty. Right? Because the poor puppy has They're been so traumatized. Sad. Because they have just been kidnapped. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I totally agree. I I don't think it's a clear line. If it got worse, like, then I wouldn't do it. But it makes yeah. it better, you know? Yeah. I guess, like, when explaining to somebody when you're allowed to reinforce and when to not, it's kind of a case-by-case basis. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, because for that, I don't view that as reinforcing them for it. It's more like... I'm understanding that you are emotionally traumatized right now. Yes. And I'm trying to make you feel or, better. <laughs> or they're trying to communicate that they need to go potty. That's also true. So yeah. my balance is so like my – like the best case scenario I can give is that I put my fingers in the crate. If they don't calm down within like a minute or so, maybe two minutes, then I'll take them out and do my not fun potty trip. Yeah. Um, and then they go potty and then I mm-hmm. go back and that's typically how yeah. it goes. And all during this, the puppies – the actual crate is for a lot of people on a chair – directly next to the bed so like you're almost breathing like into the crate yeah they are right there yeah yeah i put it on like an ottoman that yeah. I, I steal from my living room exactly and then put it and then put it <laughs> by my bed and that's how that's how i do it yeah you roll over you stick your hands in the crate puppy falls asleep you fall asleep yep um or others of us put it directly on the bed same concept yes extra space. yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. but for all of this, this is not on the floor next to your bed even. Yeah, because I don't I don't want the effort of getting up. I want to be able to do it so like subtly too. Like I don't want to be mm-hmm. a whole big exploration of like standing up. And the point is to like then, make it easy. And so that you can literally fall asleep with your hands in the crate. Yeah. Um, so sleep yeah. is important. Sleep is important. And, and the puppies <laughs> feel us. better that way. I mean, yeah, they sleep better. We sleep better. Yeah. It's better. I do it for yeah, three or four days. And then the puppy gets moved to the floor next to the bed. Mm-hmm. And then the puppy can get moved to another room eventually yeah um but start out with them right close to you and that way yeah they'll have an easier transition they're learning good behaviors and you're getting your sleep yeah um you want to move into day four through seven um, and then we'll talk about sure vet and stuff yeah um so actually i'll backtrack just for a split second mm-hmm. 
Um, so in the first week, it is important to not overwhelm your puppy mm, with yes. socializing. So yes. Libby, Libby you're, you're just mentioning of like no meeting new dogs, yep. no meeting new people, no going to new environments. Please like this, this is dog, just yeah. about you and your puppy getting to know each other mm-hmm. and understanding the rules of the like your life mm-hmm. together. Yeah, because if you think about it, socializing is about building your dog's confidence in potentially scary environments. Yeah, and teaching them, hey, this is no big, no no big deal, right? Yeah, you're wanting to to boost that confidence. Well, if you take your dog to a scary place and they still view you as the kidnapper, <laughs> they're just going to be more traumatized. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, so yeah. then you're just worsening the scenario yeah. rather than waiting until they have thoroughly bonded to you. Not like we've been together 48 hours. My puppy loves me. Already yeah. Bonded. Puppies love everybody. Yeah. No, you know, like, like actually bonded. actual bonding. Like people, yeah, the people mistake like puppies being happy mm-hmm. with the bonding, but that's not quite yeah. it. And bonding isn't being obsessed with you or no. anything like that. No. Bonding is like knowing boundaries and rules and routine. And trusting and you. Trusting you, like understanding like expectations around mm-hmm. you, being consistent with your puppy about things, yeah. like all those things. And it just takes time. A puppy yeah. in days one through seven has not bonded to you yet. Yeah. It might be happy to see you, but it has not bonded. Yeah. And you can fight me on that. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> but day eight, then you can think about socializing. Yes. But before then, I mean, and many puppies, not day eight, many puppies down the line. But yeah. certainly I can guarantee for every single dog, no matter how old they are, no matter how young they are, days one through seven, please do not socialize them. Please don't have people come over to meet the puppy. Mm-mm. Send them mm-hmm. pictures. This is what videos are for. Yeah. Um, it's just not, it's not. It's yeah. more damaging than anything. Yeah, it really is. Like, I, yeah, no, I think it's. And it's, it's not so, fair to them. Yeah, and like new, by no new dogs, no new people, it's not like your dog that you have at home as oh, long yeah, as, no, as no. long as like, you <laughs> if know. If the dog like, is living in the house. If the dog is living in the house, <laughs> that's, that's fine. fine. Like the, your, yeah. your siblings or your yeah, children your are there or whatever. Mates, whatever yeah no that's that's fine because that's a part of their home yeah. like environment that, that's what we want the routine to be about but extended family doesn't need to come over yeah friend groups don't need to come over and visit like yeah just let the dog figure out their new normal and mm-hmm. keep it their new normal yeah and you can start exposing them yeah. to abnormal things yeah because it also remember this is not a normal dog no this true. is your service dog if i had if i brought home a puppy that i'm like this is going to be my sport dog and it's a happy-go-lucky confident thing sure people can Great. come over i don't care <laughs> Like yeah. that's that's not a big deal. Like mm-hmm. they can cuddle with the puppy, but this is going to be your life saving device. Yeah. Um, and so it's a little bit different. Like you want like you want it to be exceptional, mm-hmm. and like that. There's no reason to mod like to put them in un like stress that isn't like necessary. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just. Give them that week. Yeah, give them a week. Just give them a week to just, like, learn you and get to know mm-hmm. you and stuff. They bond quickly. Yeah. But that's still, like, a week. Like, yeah, you know. Okay. Um, okay. We'll move on from that. But, okay, for day four through seven, um, obviously, you're continuing all the potty training and the crate training and all that stuff. Um, but that's whenever I start jumping into, like, more of the structured training sessions. Mm-hmm. So, typically, it's my goal is – 15 minutes of training, but divided up, my goal is 15 minutes of training divided up into around like five minutes per session. So typically I feed puppies three times a day mm-hmm. and they typically just train with the food that they have. Yeah. Um, I, that's the goal. Obviously not every person you can, it, 
that that's like the perfect goal. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and I typically keep it pretty simple. Conditioning their name. So conditioning a name is think of like Pavlov, dog, mm-hmm. bell rings, salivating, blah, blah, blah. So my Pavlov is, my dog's name is Melly, Melly, treat. Yeah. Melly, treat. Melly, treat. Melly, treat. And I do that a billion times. Um, and then... I'll condition probably a marker or a clicker. Mm-hmm. So marker is so so this is actually Pavlov, where um, clicker training is essentially click. You're you're a little clicker that you have, or if you are like me, where I am, don't ever have a clicker on me. Um, I use yes um, as a specific sounding yes, like I say it the same cadence every time, and so that is something I use with training, where I want to tell the dog like I want to mark the behavior. Just Google clicker training and you'll find like all the resources on it um but it makes training communication a lot more fluid with dogs by using clicker training or marker training and then the last one is come Mm -hmm. if you teach recall at a puppy age you're gonna have a beautiful recall um if you condition it like melly come treat melly come treat melly come treat every single time until your dog like dies literally i have (laughs) I have I have a three and a half year old dog and I'll still and she has I would put my hand on the Bible saying she has like a 99 to 100 percent recall because of how conditioned it was whenever she was a puppy. Um, And so you can get a level. I mean, not saying I'm also a dog trainer, so I don't expect everyone to have a really lovely recall like quite like that. But you can. But you can. It's not hard. But you rocket science. But you. This is also passive training. So my dog was taught to play with me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had reinforcement of playing and verbal praise and treats and toy play. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had like an. I have an arsenal that I can use at any time. Um, where my dog had, we have a play bonding relationship. We have a structured training treat, you know, thing. Um, so I would say that's probably, and I'd probably mm-hmm. throw in sit and capture, like capturing sit, mm-hmm. um, would probably be my other thing that I would start just cause the pro- their puppies are just going to be jumping. Cause that's what puppies yeah. do. Um, and then I start sit, mm-hmm. um, more as a capturing kind of yeah. concept. Yeah. Anything, what would you, do? what do you train? Um, yeah, I think those are the main ones. Um, I probably add in eye contact when they offer it. Again, capturing like I'm not holding a treat out and making them get frustrated and waiting for them to look at me. It's more of a as we're doing a training session and I have treats in my mm-hmm. hand, if they choose to look in my eyes, then I'm like, Oh yeah, I do like yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. And I'll it's engagement. It. Yeah, exactly. Engagement. Um, adding to the the recall bit. I do stand by that that's, like, the number one most important thing. It's a safety thing. It's a safety thing, exactly, especially with puppies. Puppies go through (laughs) so many times where they make bad choices. And so Mm -hmm. if you have, you know, one thing that you can use when they do make a poor choice, that can literally be, like, life-saving. Yeah. Um, So with that, you know, I think I want to add that that's something that, Melly has like an incredible recall. Birdie has a great recall. I still reinforce Birdie. Yeah. Every single time. Melly gets like I don't use treats very much with her, mm-hmm. but I literally am like, Melly, you're amazing. Exactly. Like, good job. And I play with her a yeah. little bit and then, you know, it's good. We're never calling our dogs over and then ignoring them. Or because, getting on or getting mad at them. Oh, and certainly not getting mad at them. Yeah. Don't ever yeah. if your dog recalls, even if it's terrible, mm-hmm. reward it. Yeah. Just as a point. Exactly. And so at least for the first 
honestly, I'd say six to 12 months. Yeah, I guess teenage phase. Yeah, you need to reward the dog with like something super tasty every single time they come over to you when you say come. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest things I see when people have just gotten a new puppy and we go, you know, they get me over for a lesson and they're like, oh, the dog doesn't really come back when it's called. And then I walk in the house and everybody's saying this dog's name, Fido, Fido, come here, Fido, come here, Fido, come here, Fido, come here. Everybody's saying the dog's name and ruining it and they're ruining come. Mm-hmm. Because they're saying, Fido, come, come here. Yeah. And there's three people saying it all at the same time mm-hmm. and nobody has treats for the dog. Mm-hmm. So it literally has learned to ignore it. Yeah. So reserve the name and the come for when you have a treat available. And if you say, Fido, come, because like you needed it or you accidentally said it and the dog comes over, that's when you run to the fridge and grab a cheese stick or a piece of salami or literally anything. Anything. Because... They are not at the point where Melly is of like, oh, great job. You did great. Yes. Like, go get that dog something super tasty yes. that they can eat immediately. Yeah. she. I didn't stop probably food reinforcing or like make or toy. My, my dog, Melly, is very toy driven. So it's mm-hmm. the same thing. But um, I didn't probably stop rewarding it. Gosh, I don't even know. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's just, I don't think I've ever not reinforced. I think I probably yeah. slowed down on food. Because I could tell how wicked, like mm-hmm. how yeah. wicked quick it was, where but I was like, for whoever's listening to this, that you're interested in week one, it's irrelevant. Don't not give your dog treats. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, this is like a year and a half, exactly. And she already Taking had been, scale. and she already had been like having wicked recalls for like six months. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like, and by wicked, I mean she can recall off rabbits, cats, other dogs, yeah, people, anything. skateboard, like literally anything you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Um, if your dog, yeah. Um, so just reward, so, reward, reward. Use high value. Like mm-hmm. make it a fun game. Yeah. Chase, r- Chase, actually, I think it was actually the reason she has such a lovely uh, recall is my yeah. husband would play run away from her games. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of um, the my favorite recall game is the cookies in the corner game. Oh, yeah, where you toss cool. a treat on one end of the room and you run away from the dog and you call them. Yeah. And when they reach you, you can YouTube it. Um, when mm-hmm. they reach you, you give them another treat. Yeah. And that's a great one for puppies because it also tires them out really fast. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Gets their little legs going. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so that's yeah. one that you can, you know, you can Easy. do capture five sits, do five cookies in the corner, mm-hmm. you know, a couple yeses, and that's your training session. Yeah. And also – um. I have people that probably don't know what capturing is. Mm, that's true. Well, we'll do another podcast on that. Yeah, maybe some training methods, yeah. Because <laughs> our 30-minute podcast is getting to be long. I don't know. I forgot to start the timer. But – Yeah. Um, But I think, like, the end of the day is – when I look at what we just went over, to me this is, like, very basic mm-hmm. Um, of, like, it's technically, like – some people like to do too much. Yeah. And this is like a, a basically all we've gone over is bonding, mm-hmm. creating, not letting them get into too much. Yeah. And then start doing some, a few training things mm-hmm. in the, towards the end of the week. Yeah. That you have your puppy um, and just not overwhelming or doing mm-hmm. too much. Totally. I mean, um, and we've talked for like 30 minutes about this or something like that, but um, it, it really does not take much. Yeah. Right? Like, we have a lot to say about it, but actually time of day, it does not take much yeah. at all. You're just hanging out, getting to know your new puppy. This yeah. is the easy stuff. This is the easy stuff. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I um, – I guess uh, trying to get your puppy in for a vet, maybe I think yes. it's the only thing I'd say yeah. is, like, the last, like, tick off of, like um, – 
Yep. That's, yeah. That's a big one, especially if you've gotten them from a breeder. Um, typically, most breeders, most ethical breeders will have a contract, and the contract will say within 72 hours you need to take your puppy into the vet um, for any health conditions. And then you'll get, like, a fecal done, make sure that they're clear from worms and things yep. like that. Um, and this is more of, like, a financial contractual thing that you should do mm-hmm. um, because if you do find an issue, you can. it's much better to find it within 72 hours when yeah. you can return it to the breeder if it's a big problem that's yeah. going to affect the dog being your service dog. Yeah. Um, or you're within that period and so you can ask for the breeder to cover costs and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, so this is more like – it's not like a fun thing to think about or anything, but it truly is worth doing. Like, yeah. just get your puppy in when you once you know the pickup date, schedule a vet appointment for the next day. Yes, that technically counts as socializing, but it's kind of a, a necessary thing. Like, mm-hmm. just do your best. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It's, it's totally worth doing. You know, we just took double in for his vet appointment. Um, he's a little bit older. He has a seven day return period mm-hmm. and I got extensive blood work done on him. Yeah. Um, because his seven day period is coming up in a couple of days and I want to know if there's something that is know, like, he is, can't be a surface dog yeah. maybe because of blood work. You know? Exactly. Yeah. If he has some liver condition, you know, and I find out on that blood work, mm-hmm. he's going to go back. Yeah. And because that's not something that MD dogs can invest in. Yeah. Um, that's not a good financial move for us mm-hmm. as a business. And it goes the same thing for self trainers. Yeah. Right. Like, if especially within 72 hours, it would be heart-wrenching, absolutely, but it's totally doable and much easier to do within 72 hours yeah. rather than in six months. Yep. Yeah, exactly. seriously bonded with that dog. Yeah. yeah and invested so much. That's the better um, option. Yeah, so I agree. just be kind of financially wise. Yes. Um, yeah, because, I mean, if you're self-training, it's probably mm-hmm. because service dogs are expensive, yeah. you know, and, like, yeah. it's, it is cheaper to self-train. Mm-hmm. As long as you can try to avoid little hiccups that can potentially yeah. come up, like, you know, a dog having a medical issue that could mm-hmm. be caught with blood work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of led me to think about, okay, well, you can get dogs from breeders or um, shelters or whatever. One of the other things is this schedule, I believe, also completely applies to, um, like, if you're doing a, a foster trial, like mm. fostering to adopt or anything like that. Yeah. Do the same thing. Like, yeah. there's no reason to treat the dog differently. Treat it as if you have brought it home uh-huh. because it takes a while for them to kind of adapt mm-hmm. and, you know, show their true colors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so just, just treat them from the beginning like this. Yeah. And pretty soon you'll be able to tell, you know, whether mm-hmm. they're they're worth adopting, which sounds terrible. But yeah. for your purposes. <laughs> for this is not a pet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there's no reason to have to, like, deal with extensive behavior issues yeah. or. If they want to be a service dog. <laughs> if they want to be a service dog. If yeah. they're scared of shaking and scared of their own shadow, you yeah. know, like. Maybe it's time to go back, maybe. you know. <laughs> maybe uh, another family's better fit. Yes, that's but. not going to want them to go into the world every day yeah. and torture them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think, okay. I think that kind of covers like, it all, right? Cover most of it? I think so. Basically, the first week, even though we talked about it for a while, is not that hard. It's really yeah. not bad. Um, just bond, find out what your dog likes doing, do that thing, prevent the behaviors you don't want. Reward the behaviors you do. Reward the behaviors you do. Throw in a couple things towards the end of the week. Yeah. Of like and even that, training. it's like, yeah, it's yeah, that's optional. Yeah, that's optional. <laughs> I mean, yes, I recommend doing the recall off the bat, but like, yeah, just, just 
you're gonna just be trying to survive puppyhood yeah so also you're gonna be training for the next like 12 to 18 months you don't have to get started immediately <laughs> right yeah yeah like <laughs> it's it's you know this is week one of like 100 weeks yeah don't you don't burn yourself out it's mm-hmm. gonna be a long road <laughs> exactly yeah um and just enjoy it awesome um well anything Thing. I guess what's new with MB dogs? I guess we have double. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Find we'll find out after his blood work comes in. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out from this blood work whether right. he has a life altering condition. Um, um, who Who is double? Tell me about double. Oh, double <laughs> is our newest English cocker spaniel, um, but he is a show line cocker. So, Birdie, Bee, Chip, all of the others are all field bred English cockers. Um, so, they are much um, uh, drivey. Yeah, they're very drivey, <laughs> very drivey. They have a lot less coat, so mm-hmm. they don't need any grooming or anything. But the show line ones are what you see um, at Westminster and like yeah. these long, fluffy coats that are groomed extravagantly um, and are also known to be a lot more chill. So Is and, he showing that he's chill? Um, definitely more so than the others. Okay, he's good. he's still plenty drivey to be okay. a working dog. Okay, good. Um, not like a search and rescue dog. Oh means, no, no, but no. Like but like, dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he has the amount you know that yeah. you want, kind of thing. Yeah, he and he has lots of food drive, which is great. Mm. Um, so so far, I like him. Kind of the grand scheme of things, you know, purpose here is um, we are realizing that working cockers have a little bit too much working in them <laughs> for most clients. We being me, I just love them, but turns out they're not a great fit for everybody. Yeah, and you have to be enthusiastic about life as much as they are, yeah. I think. and you, you kind of want to almost want a sport dog and then happen to have diabetes Yeah, to have one of these dogs. <laughs> um, so if you're looking for one, check out B. <laughs> yeah, B would be perfect. B is an eight-month-old yeah. working uh, cocker. Ten now. Ten? Oh, goodness. Yeah, goodness. <laughs> Yeah. She's perfect little girl. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, we're bringing in these show lines. Um, to try it out, right? To yeah. try it out, yeah. to see if we can, you know, work on a, um, providing dogs to kind of the greater population. Yeah. Um, of just like good diabetic alert dogs. And so the yeah. plan is we're going to have him as our pure show line. Mm-hmm. And then Birdie is going to, uh, with a different boy, hopefully have a half and half litter at some point mm-hmm. in the next year or so. And then we'll decide from there. Which do we prefer better? Yeah. Do we want to switch over solely to show? Or do we want to do these mixtures of half and half or three quarters, 25, and which ratio? And Yeah. Anyway, so it's all learning, a learning curve here. Um, but he's the extreme end of show line to, yeah. uh, to see what we like. And I already have lots and lots and lots of thoughts about him. <laughs> um, so more of that will come out, I'm sure, With, in the future. Uh, as long as his blood work comes back, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. But awesome. as of now, so... Yep. That's the newbie and uh, mm. everything else just continuing on. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's about it. That's about it. We'll uh, let you guys go. Sounds good. Until next time. All better. All better.